Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Adam Miller, and today I'm joined by the guy who just accidentally kicked me under the table, Johnny McFarlane. Um, Or was it an accident? Or was it an accident? On today's pod, we'll be discussing Anne Budge's epic statement defending Craig Levine and looking ahead to Celtic and Rangers Europa League ties this evening. So where else to begin than with that statement from Hearts owner Anne Budge, or as she would probably put it, Anne dot 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 Budge exclamation mark. (laughs) I'm not saying it was a lengthy statement, but Netflix and Now TV are currently embroiled in a bidding war for the rights to turn it into a 10-episode series. Obviously, it's a good thing when a club's owner speaks as frankly as Budge has done in this statement, but the message itself has been pretty widely condemned by Hearts fans. While insisting that Craig Levine wasn't untouchable, Budge mounted a strong defence of the manager. Michael Stewart, who I can exclusively reveal is not Levine's biggest fan, tweeted, "'Safest job in world football.'" Then he quoted Budge saying we remain behind the manager because we believe in the plan we jointly put together and he asked, what's the plan? Bottom of the table, no win since March, relegation form over 10 months. Some fans, meanwhile, reacted by saying the only way to force change is to withhold foundation of Hearts payments. Johnny, I'm going to get your response to a few of Budge's quotes in a moment, but first, what's your overall reaction to the statement? Well, completely tone deaf to the current situation at Hearts, and I don't believe this is just a social media bubble situation. If you talk to Hearts friends, uh, and I have several family members who are who are big jambos, uh, who aren't. That big sounds s- like you've said something really offensive about Hearts fans. <laughs> <laughs> who are who are not social media uh, guys and uh, and women, and they are not happy at all with Craig Levine. I think the real politic of the situation here is. Levine has lost the fans. I mean, you lose the fans, you're in a very difficult situation. The most interesting thing about uh, the, the report, or I, I don't, the essay, I suppose, would be the best thing to call it, um, I just thought it was the punctuation. Um, and, I, and I don't want to be the pedant who's on here as a journalist moaning about uh, the use of um, ellipses. ellipses and uh, um, capitalising um, words incorrectly. Uh, you know, capping up clubs. You, you see this all this on Twitter all the time. But, and, and, and let's understand if people go, oh, that's not really that important. But I think it does betray something about her personality that she, she would have no care in the world or interest about just something going out correctly. Yeah. In any business, you would imagine that the chief executive would want to get his um, State of the Union address to the company proofed and checked to make sure that it was professional and, 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 and in good shape. Mm-hmm. And you read it, and it just it reads like a blog. Yeah, it reads unprofessional, and I think it betrays something about the way she runs the club that she has no interest. It appears in getting very obvious errors in in text corrected. It's bizarre. Is there a sense there? Do you think maybe she's aware of that the the way that could be perceived? But she's maybe thinking, if I put it across without paying, you know, without getting someone to proofread it or whatever, people will go, well, this is the sort of informal kind of approach we want from our owner. Do you think that's the way she's looking at it? Or do you, do you think she just doesn't care? I, I've no idea. I don't know Anne Bodge personally. I, I think what she's done at Hearts has been, from a business point of view, has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Real ambition she's shown in her time at the club to change the club, to modernise it, to build a stand. She took over Hearts. Don't forget when they were languishing in the championship with Rangers and Hibs in the same league. And they romped that league in a way nobody would have expected because they put together a team um, that was excellent with a good young coach in Robbie Nielsen and Craig Levine behind the scenes putting things together. It seemed to be 
a perfect marriage. Now, I say all that, but at the same time, I can't look at this statement and not be critical of it because Mm -hmm. for me, and it's not the first one that she's done like this. Okay, I mean, do you think, before we get into the nitty-gritty, you know, specific quotes from it, do you think she's obviously put this very lengthy statement out there and when she's doing it, she's probably thought this is going to clear some things up. This will probably improve the situation between ourselves at the club and the fans. Um, But do you think that, if anything, her stock is lower now that the statement's out than it was before? Well, I think she's in danger of tarnishing her own legacy. Um, As I say, even up to this point, I don't think Anne Budge can be criticised that much. Mm-hmm. Okay, honestly, if you're looking at brass tacks, what she achieved, hearts are in a much better place now than they were when she came in. Yep. But if this is allowed to fester for too much longer, I, I, I think she'll be tarred with the same brush that Levine already has been. We ran several pieces, opinion pieces, and pieces with fans looking at Levine and his legacy towards the end of last season. And the unanimous decision in all these pieces was, look, Craig Levine has to really win this cup to show progress in his... Um, his reign as manager otherwise all the tea leaves are suggesting that his time has come to an end and this would be a good point a natural point to to call it a day with everyone's dignity intact yeah. and that didn't happen for whatever reason and now we're in a situation where hearts uh, presumably the third biggest budget in the league if the if, if it's not there they can't be far off it but they've got a lot of international players there you, you must imagine they would be um, sitting bottom of the league and yep. there's good players there we've discussed this many a time mm-hmm. um, and, and it's a strange strange situation for them to be in I think Anne Budge has made a critical mistake in that she's treating football too much like it's any other business when it's not like any other business Um you need to adjust your expectations and your plans to the whims of supporters. That is just the way it is because they are the guys that keep your club afloat. And it's even more prevalent in the case of Hearts, where, as you've already said, there's a foundation that are pumping in money every month, and it's that money that allows Hearts to have that quality squad. Okay, well, I'm going to throw you some excerpts from the statement, and you can give me your response to each of these. So the first one... Uh, and Budge said, clearly what we wanted to do was have the same kind of start as we had last season. Obviously, last season, you remember, Hearts started brilliantly uh, without the catalogue of injuries that then befell us. However, as we all know, that's not happened. So what do we do about it? What we do, what we do not do is overreact, throw all of our plans out the window and start again, exclamation mark. What's your response to that? Well, I mean... That is football, unfortunately. When results go against you in a major way over a concerted period of time, you have to reassess and and quickly and you have to act because everything in football tells us that managers that are struggling, managers that lose their dressing room, managers that lose the fans do not come back. I can't tell you right now one manager who has lost the fan base of a club and then come back. Even Sir Alex Ferguson, as close as he came to the bullet, in that infamous season where the goal from Mark Robbins, I think it was against Norwich, turned everything round from him because it looked like he was going to he was going to get sacked at that point. I don't think that the, the entirety of the Man United or the vast majority of Man United's fan base had turned turned against him. Uh, and Craig Levine, let's be honest, he's not Alex Ferguson. No. So uh, I, that's how I would respond to that. I don't I don't think she's correct in her assessment of how football works there. 
Okay, so she goes on to say, we have a very strong squad, arguably the strongest we've put together over the last six seasons. We have the mix of youth, experience and quality that we've been striving for and building towards since we returned to the Premiership in 2015. We've still not seen our first choice starting 11 playing this season as we're still awaiting the return of a number of key players. Of course, we hear the criticism. You've wasted money, you've got too many things wrong, you've made too many bad decisions, you've given Craig Levine too long, etc, etc. Have we made mistakes at times? Unquestionably, yes. However, running a football club, like any business, is not an exact science. None of us will get every decision right, and it is so easy to be wise after the event and say, I would never have done that. So she's touched on the fact that she she believes that they have the strongest squad they've put together over the last six seasons. And as you mentioned earlier, she's comparing the football uh, the football world to other businesses. So what's your take on that? Well, I think she's absolutely right that Hearts have the strongest squads uh, in her time at the helm, absolutely. I think Hearts have a really good squad. You start going through through their their team, okay, they don't have the best goalkeeper. That's a situation where they've struggled. But in terms of the defence, you've got John Souter. Uh, open market, you're talking, what, four, three, four, five million pounds, Scotland International. Mm-hmm. You've got Craig Halkett, one of the best defenders in the league last year. Christoph Berra, who's been a top-level championship uh, defender for a number of years. No nonsense, extremely good in the last, um, well, certainly the last season for Hearts and uh, since he signed for the club. So that's just central defence. You're talking severe quality there. Then you start talking about Glenn Whelan, multiple caps for Republic of Ireland, just been bought in. Peter Herring, I know he's injured, but has looked like a terrific sign-in, box-to-box, scores goals. You've got Stephen Naismith, um, who's probably the best striker outside of Rangers and Celtic in that league. Um, so I would certainly have my head. I know Aberdeen fans will be bristling at this and saying Sam, Sam Cosgrove, but I would take Neesmith all day long ahead of Sam Cosgrove. Okay. Um, I could go on and on. Jamie Walker, Uchi Ekpiesu, yes, they've had a lot of injuries, but I also think their injuries should mean question marks for Craig Levine. Why are they getting so many, so, so many injuries? Well, that's an interesting point. I mean, we've seen uh, Con Washington uh, in the last couple of days uh, ruled out for a period of time as well. It feels almost like a kind of weekly event, this. A lot of muscle injuries as well. Do you think there's something in that? I'm not an expert. I don't I don't know. Um, but I think that it would be a question that is very much um, deserving for in terms of, the from the Hearts fans' point of view, of being answered. Uh, what exactly is the situation with regards to injuries? We know that Craig Levine has a, an old-school approach in terms of pre-season, has them up and down sand dunes and gullens to try and build them up um, for the season ahead. And that, that should mean that they're more robust in terms of taking on injuries as the season goes on. The whole point of taking on such heavy loads in pre-season is to make sure you have that strength that carries you through bumps and, 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 and hits. And uh, it seems that Hearts just can't get a steady situation where they're not losing major players to injury. Now, that might be that might very well be just really bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, no doubt Craig Levine has had a lot of issues. I mean, at one point last season, I think they were without Souter, Berra, um, Naismith all at the same time. And uh, that's a lot for anyone yep. to take. Yeah. So moving on to a, a section of, the Anne Budge statement where she was directly addressing the sort of media coverage of the way things have been going at Hearts recently. Mm. She said some coverage has been fair and has accurately reflected the facts of the situation, while other coverage has been woeful. Certain reporters and pundits have made numerous ill-informed statements, and she put that in inverted commas, regarding how things operate at the club, how decisions are made, 
and who is involved in the decision-making process. They present these opinions as though they are fact. They are not. They are aimed at whipping up yet another media frenzy around a set-up at hearts, which they simply cannot understand. To repeat just a few of these inaccurate claims, the board is weak, Craig is running the club, I have lost control, decisions cannot be taken about the manager because he sits on the board, dot, dot, dot. I would simply point out that unlike other managers who may get called in front of the board if slash when things are going wrong, Craig has to present to the full board at every board meeting on how things are going against plan across all areas of the football operation, including highlighting issues and discussing courses of action. Our board has four non-executive directors appointed because of their business acumen and experience, whom I, as chairman, consult with on a very regular basis, both individually and as a group. This includes discussing on-field as well as off-field matters and personnel. So the suggestion that Craig's attendance at formal board meetings inhibits open and frank discussion about his or the team's performance and or future is palpable nonsense. So she's gone quite in-depth there. And uh, do you take issue with any of that? I think she's quite convincing on that front in that... um there's clearly a lot of overview going on with mm-hmm. Craig Levine. He's an intrinsic part of that club. Um, he's been involved in building that club, almost like her business partner from the ground up. So mm-hmm. he's a heavily involved, much more than anyone else in terms of managers mm-hmm. and the youth setup and their scouting system and how the whole club is put together. Um, and I believe that as part of that, there is scrutiny there. And as she says, there's non-executive directors who have got business backgrounds on that board. And Anne Bodge herself, who is a prominent businesswoman, who's you know highly successful. Um, so clearly there is a level of scrutiny. In terms of the pundits, you know we've seen Michael Stewart uh, has been a real critic of Craig Levine. And th- there's clearly no love lost there whatsoever between the two of them. And I think... Uh, there's a possibility that that's who she's referencing. Possibly. Um, and we know that... She might be listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but a lot of the things Michael Stewart have been saying ring true to many, many people. And mm-hmm. Michael Stewart, he may not like Craig Levine, but for me, when I listen to what he's had to say, he seems to focus on the facts of the situation. And, you know, you can't get away from the fact that Craig Levine has lost far too many games as heart manager, Hearts manager. He uh, is in a situation now where if you were just looking at the last, I think, year, then Hearts would be in a severe relegation difficulty if yeah. we were looking at the, the last 30-odd games. And that, that speaks for itself. That's not Michael Stewart that's done that no. or, or other pundits or reporters. Um, so I, I think really what this comes down to is it's a football decision. Should, mm-hmm. should the... Is there any evidence that this malaise that's been going on at Hearts for about 30 games is showing any signs of of being steadied? Is it? I don't think it is. It doesn't sit, no, it doesn't look like that. Do you think in terms of just that last passage that I read to you there where she's gone quite... Uh, gone into quite a bit of detail about the mm. way that the board works and about Levine's role within that setup? Do you think if she'd, you know, left out all the emotive language in the statement and condensed it to maybe that kind of section do you not think if she had just released that as a sort of here's a short statement explaining exact giving you a bit more insight into what Levine's role is within the club that might actually have helped to sort of dispel uh, some of the, the the rumors about how powerful he is within the club and I've got to be honest with you Adam I think that the tone and the tenor of hearts fans on social media suggests to me that it doesn't really matter hmm. um, about what was the content of this and this statement? They wouldn't have been happy hearing it because all they want to hear is 
Craig Levine has gone. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly, that's what they feel. I mean, I happen to, as I've sort of probably made clear, I think um, I sympathise with Hearts fans because I do believe that the facts, that the length of time that, that this has gone on um, suggests to me that Craig Levine has problems at the club. I think that if you look at their squad, they have enough strength and depth that they should be doing significantly better. I don't think that necessarily they um, should be... Uh, you know, fourth or fifth best team in Scotland, uh, given the injury situation that they have, but they should be punching way above where they're punching at the moment. They should not be that sort of relegation level side that they have been for so long. That's that is a sign of something seriously wrong. Like I say, I've got problems with the statement. I made them clear at the start of the the start of the podcast. I don't think um, it's it's very smart to release a statement that's um, that's so error strewn. But I respect that Anne Budge has gone out of her way to provide that level of an explanation for her actions. Mm-hmm. A lot of clubs don't do that, and at least the Hearts fans can't say, "Well, we we're not in fo- we're not informed about what's going on at our club." They might not like what Anne Budge has to say. Um, or perhaps the way she said it, but at the end of the day, she has come out and given them a heck of a lot of information to sort of yeah. pour over, and that can only be uh, something that she should be commended for in that sense. Okay, and the last question before we move on to another subject. Uh, Johnny, if uh, if Hearts lose to Hibs on Sunday, what's Craig Levine doing this time next week? Well, you know, I'd be surprised if they sacked him. Uh, I mean... And Budge said he's not bomb-proof, um, uh, but there's just been no sense of any building pressure on him this week at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I thought he would probably be sacked after the game against Motherwell, yeah. um, where they were comprehensively played off the park. Um, but it's clearly, they, they want to give him more of a crack of the whip and perhaps even longer than the Hibs game. I, I think the fans have already decided but they may go into absolute meltdown if Hibs were to win. The thing is about Hibs is Hibs have been appalling this season as well. They're powder puff, um, and I can see Hearts actually winning that game. But what does that really change, Adam? That's the question Mm. I would ask. Is it going to actually make any difference to any of the points that we've made? One win. I mean, is is that going to set off a chain of events as these Hearts go back to the kind of form they showed at the start of last season where Hearts were looking really, really good? Yeah. I don't see it. Okay, so moving on, Celtic and Rangers are both in Europa League action tonight. Neil Lennon's side are up first against Rennes in Brittany with the game kicking off at 5-6. The French side are currently sitting second behind PSG in the league and are strongly fancied for tonight's game. Neil Lennon talked yesterday about changing his approach, saying you do, not, you, you do have to assess those scenarios in terms of changing formation. We are not expecting to have the bulk of possession, which we normally have. Ren are excellent on the ball and use a 3-5-2 system very, very well. They've had some stellar results already this season, including beating PSG and they're sitting second in the league. We've given this game quite a bit of thought over the last few days, worked on a few things and the players are ready. Johnny, how do you see Celtic approaching tonight's game tactically? Well, that's the thing about Neil Lennon, as opposed to uh, Brendan Rodgers. He's much more of a pragmatist, so I would expect he'll go into this game looking to defend well and hit on the break. He's not going to go there trying to dominate the ball and to take the game to Wren, as Rodgers probably would have done. Mm-hmm. So I think that Celtic fans can be a lot more optimistic than they would normally be, or they have been in the last couple of years, about an away game like this. Now, you look through Wren's squad, and they have some serious quality in there. 
They've already beaten PSG this year, uh, and they're sitting second in League One, which is a much stronger league than the Scottish Premiership. So I would expect Wren to win, being on their home ground, but I think Celtic will make a much better fight of it than they have recently. I think it'll be a close game, maybe one or two goals in it, and I fully expect Celtic to score. They've scored in all 14 games so far this season. I think they'll score an away goal tonight as well. Okay, uh, Olivia Cham was an unused substitute against Hamilton at the weekend, but Lennon hinted that he could be involved this evening. Uh, if he is, what do you think Cham would bring to the side? Well, composure, um, quality on the ball. Uh, he's a guy that's he's a bit of a Rolls Royce player, to be honest. In the in the Scottish Premiership, he's he's got that technical class. Um, that means that he can sit in the midfield and dominate games or even play a little bit further forward. He's also got that flexibility. And I think in Europe where there's a preponderance of um, importance on dominating the ball, a guy like Ncham who rarely gives it away, who uses the ball carefully, is probably of a higher premium than he would be in the Scottish Premiership. Okay, and uh, given the calibre of player that Wren have and the goodwill that the recent win over Rangers generated for Neil Lennon, do you think if Celtic do end up losing, you know, 2-0, 3-1, something like that tonight, do you think it's the kind of result Celtic fans would just be realistic and you, you could sort of brush that sort of thing off? I think so. It's really a gimme because Wren are, are a really good side um I know that there's Lazio also in the group, but Celtic should have to focus on just getting their home games won. Yeah. If they win their home games, they've got a very, very good chance of getting through. They can also go away to Cluj. They've already shown this year they can get a draw in Cluj. Mm-hmm. So they're more than capable of doing that. If they can get a draw in Cluj and win their three home games, they're almost certainly through. So these these games are, are, are just bonuses. And that's how I think Neil Lennon will say it. He'll say, we'll go in, be dogged, tactically disciplined, and if we can get a point, then it's a fantastic result and it really puts a dent in Rennes' chances, mm-hmm. who are probably the second favourites for this group. OK, and your prediction? I've, I've said 3-1 on the website today, I'm going to stick with that. OK, and Rangers are up tonight at 8 o'clock against Feyenoord at Ibrox. Stephen Gerrard's side came back from the international break with a win against Livingston, but it wasn't necessarily the most convincing performance we've seen from Rangers. Johnny, how big of an improvement does there need to be from Rangers tonight? Well, it'll have to be a big improvement because Feyenoord are a very, very good side with very, very good players. Um, I actually think they are they have better players than they are a side, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, I'm not sure how cohesive they are as a unit at the moment. It's still early days in the season. Uh, from what I've seen of them, they, they have a lot of quality in wide areas and they like to pass the ball around and move it at pace forward. I don't think they're a team that's going to come to Ibrox and camp in which will suit Rangers, but it's going to be a very, very difficult night and it will be one of the best European results of Steven Gerrard's tenure if they get the victory. He's already got, I think, 11 wins, nine, 10 wins, 9 draws and 2 defeats. It's something close to that in the, mm-hmm. in the amount of games. So he's got a very, very good record, only, only 2 defeats so far. But this would be one of the best if he can get a victory. Um because Feyenoord do have very good players. They've just spent £7 million on an on a Argentinian centre-half who might not even play. Mm-hmm. So that tells you about the depth that they have in their squad. And uh, Rangers have to be very, very careful. If they're not at their best, they won't win. OK, you put a piece together earlier today for Football Scotland looking at the big decisions that Gerard needs to make ahead of tonight's game. One of those was whether to go with Alfredo Morelos or Jermaine Defoe up front. Who do you see Gerard going for and why? It's a tough one because um, it depends on what you foresee as the game being like. 
So Gerard, if he sees it being um, Rangers on the front foot, going after them from the word go and getting a lot of bodies in and around the box, then I think you would want to go with Jeremy Defoe because Alfred Morelos is getting kept as a priority for the, the Scottish Premiership. And we know this year, this year of nine in a row, that is the number one priority for Rangers. But as I suspect, the game will be more um, pressurised for Rangers. I think they will come under the cosh at times, even at, though it is at home, because of the quality that, that Feyenoord have within their ranks. I would expect them to go with Alfredo Morelos because he gives you that outball. As we saw in the old firm game, Rangers weren't the better side. They had Alf- uh, they had Jeremy Defoe up front. You throw balls up to him and it does you no good at all. If you've got Morelos and you throw a ball up to him, there's a chance he controls that, a very good chance he controls it, brings it down, brings someone else into play or turns and runs at goal. He can conjure something out of nothing. So that's why I'd go with him. You talked in the piece about tonight potentially being a suitable occasion for the summer signing, Philip Hillander. Mm. What was your thinking there and uh, who would you see dropping out to make way for him? Um, Well, I think... As I've sort of alluded to with the Defoe-Morelos thing, Rangers will have to start thinking about rotation uh, Mm. in these situations. And with the league very, very much a priority, they have to think ahead to the the future games. And if you've signed £3.5 million worth of Swedish international defender, you're going to probably want to use him at some point. And given that we've started to see a little bit of creakiness around the cottage goldson partnership we've seen uh error strewn well not error strewn that's unfair we've seen an error from goldson against celtic um katic has had a couple of moments where he's looked a little bit shaky didn't cover himself in a great amount of glory with that goal against celtic either the first goal and then uh, against hamilton as uh, against livingston sorry um on saturday missed a few headers which is a little bit uncharacteristic I think if Gold, if, if uh, Gerard is going to pick someone to come in, he'll probably look to bring in Hellander for, for Katic. A lot of fans will be surprised by that because they think Katic has had a great start of the season, and he has. But I just think Gerard said so many times how much he likes Goldson as a leader and, and what he brings to the team above and beyond just what he does with the ball or, or how many headers he makes. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that, that people around him look to in, in times of um, of strife. So I think he'll go in there and maybe play next to Hellander and give him an opportunity. Give Katic a wee rest. Katic's main strength as a defender is aerially. He's absolutely brilliant at heading the ball. So he's a guy you're going to need in these games in Scotland. Yeah. So give him a wee rest. Bring Hellander in. He's got loads of European experience from his, his career today. He's been comfortable in Serie A, so he's not going to have a problem against Feyenoord. Bring him in, I think that makes sense. And I think Rangers have to do that throughout the team. They can't always just pick their best 11, yeah. because throughout this whole season, they're going to need those uh, squad players to come in and do a job for them, um, or they'll be burnout before we know it at, at Ibrox. Okay, and finally, what's your prediction? I think Rangers, I've been sort of toing and froing in my own mind between 2-2 and 3-2 uh, here. I, I I think it very, very much depends on whether or not Rangers can bring their A game. I'm going to go 3-2 Rangers because I feel like um, the the atmosphere at Ibrox tonight will be electric. Obviously, there'll be um, a great amount of emotion in the stadium with uh, the, the passing of uh, legendary um, midfielder right-back Fernando Rickson and the fact they want to celebrate his life. And that, I think, will add an emotional charge to the crowd. And that 
should help get Rangers if they're right at it over the line. But I think it's one of those games that will be on a real knife edge for a long proportion of the match. Okay, well that's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm just in time to make your daily work commute that a little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at oldfirmfacts1 and Johnny on... Uh, at Johnny R. McFarlane. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. <laughs>